Welcome to Intel's Conversations in the Cloud. I'm your host, Jake Smith. Join me as I speak with guests from across the world about the latest advancements in cloud and edge computing, data center technology, network infrastructure, security, artificial intelligence, and more. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be in the world. My name is Jake Smith, and welcome to another episode of Conversations in the Cloud. I am joined today by David Talbi, CTO of John Snow Labs. Welcome, David. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're a leader, and John Snow Labs is a leader in natural language processing. Can you talk about John Snow Labs and then talk a little bit about your background of how you, you know, became a member of this team? Sure thing. My background is in computer science. I have a PhD in computer science and have started working on machine learning around 2009 when I joined Microsoft on NLP and specifically healthcare NLP when I joined my first startup in 2012. So I've had a good, you know, for five years to try the existing libraries, see where the issues are, where the challenges are. We're trying to apply natural language processing at scale. Around 2017, I had the opportunity to start Spark NLP. Is an open source project, and that's where I initially started collaborating with John Snow Labs on it. Many of the libraries that we all you know, loved and used for a long time became outdated fairly quickly. And what we were able to do at John Snow Labs is take those new deep learning, transfer learning models and techniques and make them build to the community, to the industry. And that's really been our main focus. And it seems to have caught on. <laughs> well, it not only has caught on, it's really changing the way you know, natural language processing is used in healthcare. Can you talk about how natural language processing is used for clinical decision support and trial acceleration? So healthcare has a similar challenge you see in other verticals where you know, it used to be the case that, for example, if I wanted to know, you know, if you're a good candidate for a clinical trial, I would manually go and read the notes about you as a patient. I would manually go and read the clinical trial description, and I would see if it's a potential match. And you'd need to be a doctor or, you know, a specialized nurse to be able to do that. And that used to work, you know, in the 80s when there was a very small number of patients, a very small number of trials. But now really just with the amount of data available, amount of trials available, what happens is no one actually takes the time to do that kind of matching automatically, which means that many patients are excluded or missing from very innovative or potentially life-saving treatments and trials. There's also a serious issue of the industry where most trials are actually delayed, which means that really getting your treatments to people a year, two years, three years later than they should, which hurts a lot of people. Similar for clinical decision support. If you want to know whether a patient is at risk, for example, for an at-risk pregnancy, undiagnosed diabetes, undiagnosed depression, heart failure, kidney failure, most of the information that we actually care about is only available in free text. And that's something that happens in healthcare. The only structured information we really have about the patient is we have some demographic information and we have everything related to billing, right? So the billing codes and the dates where someone was at the hospital, right, or visited their doctors or which medication they took because someone needs to pay for that. But a lot of just relevant clinical information about why did you come? How do you feel? What are the symptoms? Why did you start to stop taking medication? Social history, family history, and just a lot of kind of specialty-specific clinical information, right? So other than the fact that someone has cancer, what are the two more characteristics, for example, right? which is really what I need to make the decision, all of those are only available in text. So we are getting to a point where if we want to be able to, for example, recommend the next backstation for a patient, 
be able to automatically build patient cohorts, right? So we can see, for example, what happens to people 12 months after they've had COVID and recovered, right? What happens to people who've had a vaccine, right? What happens to people who recover from a certain type of cancer with a certain treatment, right? After you know, six months, 12 months, you know, five years. The only way to do this at scale is really now to apply automated NLP algorithms. And the algorithms are now much better than they were even three or four years ago. And that's so very true, David. And one of the things that is exciting is that you're addressing really what I call critical humanity or population level issues for society. Can you talk about population registries a little bit and how important it is with NLP? Because I think our listeners would really be keen on this. Sure. So look, for example, at something like COVID. One of the big questions is what happens to people after they've supposedly recovered from COVID? We have some indications that you know, even people who have recovered have some difficulties that continue months later, right? We don't know what happens years yet. And let's say we want to understand this at the more scientific level, right? So we have two problems. One problem is that we need to look at data from millions of people. So we cannot sit down nurses to read the notes one by one which is traditionally how this is done, right? In clinical research or clinical trials. It's not a possibility here. The other issue is that we don't actually know what we're looking for. So even if we had a team of people and say, oh, go read all the notes, we need to tell them, oh, are we looking for, you know, heart issues? Are we looking for depression issues? Are we looking for kidney issues? Are we looking for, you know, sleep deprivation issues? There could be thousands of potential impacts. So we are getting to, to answer those questions that are super important to society. Right. I mean, this will absolutely save lives and impact quality of life and duration of life for many, many people. You need to have a scalable, automated way to do this. And COVID, you know, it's a current popular example. But, you know, cancer is still with us. Alzheimer's still with us. And everything from your depression is with us. Diabetes is, is with us. And if you think about, look, if you have the capability, this is something we want to apply across the board. And this is something that we are beginning to do now. It's so very exciting, David, and I really do applaud the work that your team has done to date. And I'm excited for what you're going to continue to do, particularly in personalized healthcare. But, you know, our listeners are going to know, how did Jon Snow Labs and David Talby get connected with Intel? Can you talk a little bit about the AI Builders program and your work there? Absolutely. I'd love to. So a part of what we promise our customers in the community is that we will do the work required to give them state-of-the-art accuracy, state-of-the-art speed, and state-of-the-art scalability. So on the accuracy front, for example, we read all the new academic papers that come out. We try to reproduce them and whatever actually improves accuracy, for example. Our job is to give the industry the production-grade versions of those algorithms so that they're reliable, easy to use, trainable, and so on. But the other half is the software engineering part. And a lot of the effort very often in productizing data science is not about Neural networks is about the engineering part. How do you actually make this run quickly, efficiently, taking advantage of the latest innovations from companies like Intel? So we've been working with Intel for really three years now as part of the AI Builders program. And I would say Intel has been a great partner in terms of not just the marketing opportunities, also the technical level, because really the work we do together with Intel for the community, for example, just making sure that our software is as fast as possible on the latest Intel hardware. For example, as part of Cascade Lake, right, it's done a lot of work on having deep learning accelerations at the chip level. And on top of it, there were some specific Intel libraries that were built to take advantage of that, like you know MKL and specific TensorFlow builds. So we've done the work to actually integrate those libraries, you know, test them, profile them, so that 
people who need NLP actually see those benefits. And one of the benchmarks we produced together on Intel Cascade Lake showed that we're actually able to more than double a runtime for very common tasks, like, you know, like training an M entity recognition model or calculating uh, embeddings on Intel hardware. So I think we got, uh, I think it was 116% speed up using the Intel optimized hardware and software compared to what we see basically without it, uh, the previous generation. And we've also done some comparisons specifically on AWS to show that in several very common cases, Intel actually provided not just uh, best results against its own previous generation, but really just the best speed up and best cost effectiveness period uh, across the options that, that really our customers have on where to run their workloads. Well, you know, it's just amazing the work that your team was able to do when you're talking about 2x performance, gen over gen, and then the optimizations inside of a generation. It just speaks to the power of AI and the power of your tool set. Can we talk a little bit about some of the awards that you've won? It's really exciting. <laughs> Well, it's all yes. My mom would be very pleased to hear about that. Well, we have to please our mothers and our fathers and our family, right? We do. We do. We do. But look, when talking about awards, the key thing to say is, first of all, look, we do this for community, right? And we do this on behalf of the community. And really, the only way to look at an award, I mean, it's not about us, right? It's a vote of confidence by the industry and by the community. And every time we get one, you know, we feel a bit more responsible, right? And we feel the pressure from a larger group uh, for us really having to do our best, right? Because really at this point, a very large community depends on us and trusts us to do our best. And that's how we look at every award we won. But yes, look at some of the awards we've won. So SparkleMP has won a number of awards. Let's see, most significant open source project by the O'Reilly at the Strata conference. That was nice because I think there was a number of academics and VCs who shortlisted candidates, but it was an audience vote at the conference. The International Data Science Foundation also gave us a couple of years ago the Data Science Technology Award, which is really across all data science, not just healthcare, as a promising technology that actually makes a difference. And just last year, we won the Artificial Intelligence Excellence Award by a different publication, the Business Intelligence Group. We were the Healthcare Analytics Provider of the Year by Healthcare Tech Outlook. It's a healthcare industry magazine. And also, really, just in the past few months, We've also won from different organizations, Best Healthcare and Life Science AI Development Firm in the USA and Best AI Specialist of the Year in the USA. So I would say we definitely, you know, feel good about our progress there. <laughs> oh my <laughs> yes. gosh. Okay, we're going to need a longer podcast to go through David's awards. Congratulations. <laughs> this is amazing. Well, you know, one of the things that our listeners are going to want to know is where do they find out more information about John Snow Labs? The simplest place is on our website, www.johnsnowlabs.com. And what we have there is obviously description about the software. We have live demos, so you can see if it actually works well for your own use case. We have some of the papers, some case studies, like you know the ones with Intel. I mean, if you want to read the technical details, reproduce it, see the numbers, you can do that. We also have some academic peer-reviewed papers that talk about some of the accuracy benchmarks of the software. But I think most importantly, you, know, you can actually start a free trial. You can get your own key license, get hands-on and see you know, if it works for your own specific case and just go from there. Well, David, when we have opportunities to bring in real leaders like yourself and your team, we want to know what the future holds, not just for natural language processing, but for John Snow Labs. So with that, I'll leave the question to you. What is the future of natural language processing and AI for healthcare and beyond? And what is the future for John Snow Labs? 
the main thing I think that all of us need to remember is just how early on we are. If you look at artificial intelligence and natural language processing today, yeah, I mean, I would look at it as like, you know, the internet in 1990, or so like, you know, electricity in 1890, where, you know, we know how to do it, we know it's doable, but we are so early on in actually implementing it. And we are just hitting some of the initial problems. So really, the way I see it, look, we have decades of progress to make. We are still working at this point with the early adopters and the first implementations. I think there is much more work to do so that every person on the planet actually benefits from the best medical care possible. They actually you know, get diagnosed correctly, access to all the medical research and information that you know, medical science has produced. I think that NLP will have a big part of it because still the main diagnostic tool for a patient is a conversation with the doctor, right? And that's fundamentally an NLP problem to extract really what's happening from that, see what are the next questions to ask and really what's the best thing to do for that person. So I think there's much more we will see. The current techniques we're using on deep learning, transfer learning, reinforcement learning, I think there's a lot more in them in terms of accuracy improvements, applications that are being uncovered. And it's obvious just because really every two or three months, something new comes up, right? We are nowhere near the limits of what those techniques can do. So our focus is not research. Our focus is on productizing research and taking it to market, right? So we need to deal with scalability and privacy and bias and explainability and scale. Also, there are many solutions that we are just beginning to build. Right, or we have built what we're seeing the first implementations. So I think we have many, many more years of progress and development. And it's a super exciting field if you're a technologist. I think it's a super exciting field if you're a clinician and working in that field. And I think really we have easily several more decades of progress at this space ahead of us. Well, I couldn't agree more. And I'm so excited for the direction of John Snow Labs. On behalf of David Talbi, CTO of John Snow Labs, this is Jake Smith, and you've listened to another episode of Conversations in the Cloud. Wherever you are in the world, we wish you a good morning, good afternoon, and good night. 